Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And today we got episode 300 of the King's Pulse Podcast, which is a pretty cool little marker, I will say. Um, definitely, yeah, cool to ha- have reached 300. I wanted to do something a little bit special, I guess, for episode 300. Not going to lie, I didn't come up with anything. And, uh, that's why there was a little bit of delay between 299 with Sam Amick and then 300 here. Um, so instead, we're just going to kind of do a normal episode talking about these, um, talking about the game against New Orleans and San Antonio here as well. And how I think it was pretty telling for this this Kings group that we're seeing, um, because you know this is six new guys since the deadline, and we saw so often this Sacramento Kings team get knocked down and kind of stay there, um, not do great about hitting back and, and being resilient. And I think that the second night of the back-to-back, after a really poor performance against New Orleans Pelicans, they came out despite some rough travel situations, which maybe is getting talked about a little bit too much, but I think it's interesting to just understand what they were dealing with. Um and then they come out and play a really good game against the Spurs that they actually almost end up blowing a lead. But I think the fact that it was almost to that point, but then they still power through and come away with the victory was pretty telling about this group. Um, at the beginning, I do just want to point out, um, you know, anybody listening in audio form, I am uploading these on YouTube now as well. So definitely check out King's Pulse there and subscribe, thumbs up, and uh, to definitely keep up with all the video content. And I want to do more other types of video content, maybe a little bit more uh, film breakdowns and things like that. So going to try to play with that a little bit. But like today's podcast episode, we'll have audio quotes from the post game after that game against San Antonio with Harrison Barnes, Alvin Gentry, and De'Aaron Fox. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see them actually speaking as well. Um, So yeah, every episode is up there on YouTube as well. So definitely, if you're interested in rather viewing it in video content, you can check it out there. Um, To start, coming into this game against the Pelicans, and it was a back-to-back against San Antonio, obviously a pretty big game for the Kings that were, I want to say, three and a half games back of the 10 seed New Orleans going into that game um, in... New Orleans, and it was a really bad one, a really, really bad game. Um, This game scared me. It was the first time since the Sabonis edition, which this was the game seven with DeMontis Sabonis, where the team was, they sucked, to be honest. Uh, they, They shot the ball horribly, which is a trend for this team. They made eight threes. This is the second game in a row where only one player made more than one triple, and which is just a tough one. I mean, the team needs spacing. I think that's the most obvious thing, is that when your core is Fox and Sabonis, or your main duo, you need as many 3 and D players around as possible, around those two, to complement them. And... First of all, they don't have enough spacing. Trey Lyles had a really good game against OKC, and then he has four points on five shot attempts in 20 minutes against the Pelicans. Um, Brandon Ingram was hitting some really tough shots, but at the same time, I think the Kings were taking some really ill-advised shots themselves. There was a lack of ball movement, a lack of player movement, and 
just some really, really bad offense in that third quarter. And they scored the Kings that is 21 points in the third quarter, 13 points in the fourth quarter. And for a team that's, I mean, you're certainly not known for your defensive impact. You better be damn good on the offensive end. And that just wasn't happening. You know, we're seeing some of these early shot clock attempts that are just like, you're kind of open, but only semi-open when you have 16 seconds left on the shot clock is not good enough because you have enough time to swing it around and get a better shot attempt, which we weren't seeing happening. Um, I think Dante DiVincenzo takes some pretty tough shots. I've been surprisingly frustrated with him on the offensive end, to be honest, but defensively, he still is a difference maker. I mean, look at that San Antonio game. He had a ginormous offensive rebound that maybe was kind of the nail in the coffin in that game. So Dante still does so many of the little things on defense and and on offense as well. I think he's a good playmaker. Um, He passes the ball well. So you know, he still does a lot of good things. I've been a little bit frustrated with him on offense, though. I think Justin Holiday takes some poor shots sometimes. Harrison Barnes just disappears in some of these games. Um, you know, in that first half against New Orleans, he was really on fire. And then he goes absolutely silent in the second half, just unexplainably, which is weird, but I guess just a Harrison Barnes thing, right? Um, so really bad game against New Orleans. Um, Sabonis was in foul trouble. You could see the frustration on everybody's face in this game, Um, everybody on Sacramento's team. You see Sabonis kind of slamming the seat next to him on the sideline. Everybody's just pissed, as they should be. This was a horrible performance. Um, Again, poor shot selection on offense, the ball movement and player movement just completely stops and they get so stagnant and are taking poor shot attempts and then aren't sprinting back in transition to play defense there when New Orleans is a team that really excels with transition offense and Sacramento is a team that does as well so if you're giving the opposing team easier offensive opportunities themselves then that means you're less likely to get stops and get your own transition opportunities which was definitely an issue but I think to See how they responded when they went to San Antonio was a big deal to me because coming off of that game against New Orleans, it was like, holy crap, are we about to see this team folded in a couple times throughout these final 20 games of the season? Because that cannot happen. You know, the first nine, 10 games of this season everything felt good, right? They were five and four and then five and five against really high caliber opponents. One of those games was against Phoenix that they ended up winning. I think it was that Harrison Barnes game winner earlier in the year. They played high caliber opponents and were feeling good coming out of those first nine games this season. And then they have some rough showings and they just didn't have enough fight to power through some tough games. And so this New Orleans game scared me because while there was a good vibe around the team for those first six games, it was like, you don't know what you have when it comes to the players and the personality identity, if you want to say that, of a group until they deal with adversity. And this New Orleans game was the first example of that. And sure, the adversity was kind of there because the roster isn't good enough. I think we all know the roster isn't good enough that they need to add more to this group. Um, Undeniable, 
nothing surprising, right? We all know this. But then to come out against San Antonio and have the type of game that they did where early in the game they're just on fire. They look very locked in. And um, again, I, I think I said this was probably a little bit too focused on, but I, again, I'll just point it out because I think it's interesting to have the context. Um, teams don't travel the same day to the city. Like when they're playing San Antonio, they don't fly that morning is not how it typically works. Um, they fly after playing the game the night before, but they were stuck. They had some travel issues. I think it was technical issues with the plane is what we were told. Um, getting out of New Orleans into San Antonio. So they were waiting in the stadium forever and nobody, they were not able to leave um, until about 2 a.m. They decided, okay, we were going to stay in New Orleans another night. And then they got to San Antonio the next morning. They didn't have their walk through. Um, it was just a tough, t- tough travel situation, you know, which means a lack of sleep um, and, just a tough situation. Um, but I, I think credit to the Kings that they didn't really use that as an excuse or anything. Like if it was acknowledged, it was kind of acknowledged by the media a lot. Um, and again, I think it's important for context, but I certainly was not going to be happy if they would have blown this game and have heard, well, you know, it was a tough, tough travel situation and blah, blah, blah. Like not an excuse, but I think it's interesting context for just to understand, I guess. So they're dealing with that. They're going into San Antonio. And, and also, it's like we need to show that we're not the team that was on display in New Orleans because that was a horrible showing. And that can't be the team that you are when you made a win-now move. I know that Sabonis is about more than this year, but you had, what, seven years of team control with Halliburton, who just turned 22, compared to Sabonis, who still is only 25 and a two-time All-Star himself. Like, on a great deal for the next two years, like not denying how good Sabonis is or anything, but it is a more now focused move. Um, So if you're going to make that sort of swap and give away Halliburton, then you have to show the outline of a good team now. And what we saw against New Orleans was the same old Kings crap that we had seen all year long. They came out in San Antonio, proved that, that is not who they are. And I think that was really, really important. De'Aaron Fox was on one and has been on one. He's been playing absolutely phenomenal since the team has traded for Sabonis. Um, in these nine games now since Sabonis, Fox is averaging 26.4 points, 6.1 assists, four rebounds on 50% from the field, um, only 28% from three but also 75% from the free throw line. And yeah, I think it's this, you know, he's had now, I believe this is how many games? 11 games with 20 or more points in a row. He had nine assists in that game against San Antonio, 10 assists, 10 assists against OKC, 10 against that in that second game against Denver, nine against Chicago. We're seeing kind of this playmaking come back a little bit. And while Halliburton was obviously a great playmaker in himself and Sabonis is a great playmaker as well, I think it's just the game is easier for De'Aaron to 
naturally fit in with Sabonis compared to how he fit in with Halliburton. I still think that the Fox-Halliburton pairing could have worked with time, but it's so much easier when your stars just directly complement each other without having to put too much effort into it. Um, the pick and roll of Fox and Sabonis, I think, is working extremely well. When you see that on the right side of the floor, empty side pick and roll, um, it's worked extremely well. And you get to take turns. You get to always have one of these guys on the floor. And that's been working really well. Sabonis got in foul trouble in both of these games. He only played 28 minutes against San Antonio and uh, had a pretty down game, but still manages to log 12 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. He did have four turnovers as well, um, but five of eight from the field. Like it's a pretty solid Sabonis game for, you know, for saying that this is a down game because it it definitely was. He's been foul prone. I think when they're blitzing, it's been he he's maybe a little bit too handsy. Also, hasn't had the kindest whistle, I would say. Um, so that that probably factors in a little bit here. Um, also live streaming by the way so shout out to everybody that is interacting here in the youtube chat and anybody listening definitely make sure to uh stay on the lookout for that because i'm planning on doing that a little bit more as we move forward here um but yes that's the san antonio game sabonis struggled a little bit De'Aaron fox took over and he's played so many minutes these last few games i mean 37 minutes against the pelicans 39 against San Antonio, but then 40 against OKC, just under 40 against Denver, Um, only 36 in that first Denver game, but then 40 against Chicago. Like the team is so reliant on De'Aaron Fox right now, and he is showing up in the way that they need him to. Um, Again, that game against San Antonio, 26, nine assists, six rebounds, three steals, a block, and zero turnovers. it was a great De'Aaron Fox game. You know, in that New Orleans game, he asked to guard Brandon Ingram at uh, the later portions of the game, which I thought was interesting and very not exactly what we're used to hearing from De'Aaron Fox and did okay. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go back and watch that film to maybe give it a little bit of a closer look there. But then against San Antonio, um, I-, I thought that his defense stood out to me um, and not stood out in the way that he usually does this year, where it's like, man you could have got there or you're just not fully locked in on the defensive end. Um, But I thought that De'Aaron Fox did a good job against DeJounte Murray. And I would have to imagine that going up against DeJounte Murray adds a little bit extra to these games for De'Aaron. Because if I'm Fox, I'm looking at Murray as a guy that it's like, he made the all-star team before me. Like, no disrespect to DeJounte Murray. I think he's a great player. I love DeJounte Murray. But I think that there's probably a little bit more fuel to the fire going against some of these other guys that maybe Fox feels like he is better than, but they're getting a little bit more respect. And he played really good defense against DeJounte Murray, had some big stops down the stretch. Um, he's, he's playing really well, and he's been efficient from the field. I've really, really liked what we've seen from De'Aaron Fox. But the most important thing for me in this game was that we saw this team isn't full of pushovers. They're not like soft in the same way that they were, where when they get hit, they're not going to bounce back or get back up and hit them back. Like that's what we saw so often throughout earlier in this season. And I just, 
got sick of. I mean, I think that everybody did, understandably so. Like, you can't be a good team if the second that you deal with some sort of adversity that you just let it overcome you and there's no coming back from it. So to see them have this performance they did against San Antonio was, to me, pretty telling. Um, You know, I, I guess I shouldn't jump to conclusions and say that it's that this Kings team is resilient. But this is their first thing that you can point to to build that argument of maybe this is a resilient group Um, because you need to see it more often before I'm willing to completely buy into that label. But I think it was promising. Um, And that's led by De'Aaron Fox. Um, I want to play some of these post-game clips from that game that kind of uh, have some of these guys. I have HB, Harrison Barnes, Alvin Gentry, and De'Aaron Fox all talking here a little bit about what they saw in that game, how much it meant that they were able to bounce back from that poor showing that we saw against New Orleans and then come out what they did against San Antonio despite all those travel issues and and uh, just kind of hear them talk about that a little bit. So here's Harrison Barnes first. And heads up, uh, if any of these that include the questions from the reporters, whether it be myself, James Ham, Jason Anderson, Tony, any, any of these guys, Sean Cunningham, the answers from the from the reporters are a little loud, the questions that is, but then the answers are a little quiet. Um, there's only so much I can do with editing that audio, but just so you know, maybe turn down it a little bit right now because these questions are about to be a little loud. But here's Harrison Barnes after the San Antonio win, 115 to 112. Yeah, HB, kind of on that note, do you feel like tonight was the first we got to see of you guys really building an identity with this group because it's so many new faces from what we've seen um, earlier in the year. But, you know, last night you guys fell in a big game and then to come out tonight and and respond in the way you did, how much does that say about this new group that you guys have? It says a lot. Um, You know, obviously we have a lot of different lineups out there. Um, You know, guys, you know, really giving it their all. And, you know, it's good to have moments like these that, that build character. You know, we can say that, you know, we want to be resilient. We can say that, you know, we want to bounce back. You know, we want to get stops. We want to, you know, do what it takes to win. But at some point you have to do it. You know, talking only goes so far. So for us to, to get this win tonight was was good. But you also have to build on it, you know, coming to the next game. Definitely. Um, you know, exactly what HB says there, that they've talked about it all year long, but we've very rarely seen it. So to finally get a little bit of proof and and backing up their wording of what they know needs to be done was refreshing. And that next game is in Dallas on Saturday, which is tomorrow when I'm recording this, Saturday the 5th at 2 p.m., putting together a decent little run here. I think it's going to be extremely important because they play Dallas and then they go home against New York and Denver. Those are two home games. But really this Dallas and New York game, I think it's really important for Sacramento to pick up wins here. Just for the sake of building this culture and identity of like resilience, that we're not the same Kings team that we were earlier this year, um, because then after Dallas, New York, Den- at Dallas, New York, then you're playing Denver, Utah, Chicago, Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix. That's one, two, three, four, five, six teams that think they're championship contenders. Six teams that are going to be fighting and have a really good chance of winning their conference 
or going to the conference finals at very least. So that stretch is going to tell us a lot about this Kings team, but I think even this stretch that we're in right now is going to tell us a lot. And that taste of the back-to-back we got against New Orleans and San Antonio was the first example of actually backing up the wording of what they know needed to change and needed to be better going into that second game. Um, So I, again, while I do think it's important to build this sort of, or maybe it's more so move on from the horrible, you know, knock us down, we're not going to get back up kind of way that this Kings team was functioning earlier in the year. It's more important to move on from that. Also, I kind of think a top four pick would be the best thing that could happen to this team. So I'm not going to complain about losses, to be honest, unless it's like a New Orleans game where it's like, because those the guys that are on the floor still need to go out there and try to win games. Like, There's no two ways to put that. I wouldn't expect any player to go out there and want a higher draft pick. Like, You go out there and you give it your all. And I think that we've seen that. Sometimes the roster isn't good enough. The spacing on this team is atrocious. That's very obvious. But you can't have these games against New Orleans where it's like the effort just completely went away. But at the same time, it's a weird situation because I certainly am not mad at a top four pick. But again, you have to be appealing to whatever player you're trying to acquire this offseason. If you're looking to possibly sign somebody in free agency with the cap space that this team can make happen or with the mid-level exception or a sign-in trade with Rashawn Holmes or something, you have to be appealing to potential free agents or players that could be on the move. They have to be able to look at Sacramento and be like, you know, I see what is getting started here, where maybe they didn't end the year great. Maybe they weren't getting a bunch of wins. But they fought hard against those playoff teams. You can see what is being built. And if I go there as a free agent then or somebody that wants to be relocated in a new start, a new situation, that I can really be a missing piece towards taking that to another level because they're already started in that direction. So you need to prove that you have that positive direction to be more appealing to whatever guys when this offseason comes around. And um, yeah, I think that, like HB said, it was great to see them actually do what they knew they needed to improve from the night before when you're playing, again, a second opponent on a second night that is one of these teams you're rubbing shoulders with because you have to be notably better than these teams. You can't be just like scooting by against New Orleans or getting your ass kicked, to be honest, by New Orleans or barely scooting by San Antonio when you made the type of move that you did because you can't be a 10 seed and these other teams are going to get better. New Orleans is allegedly going to add Zion Williamson at some point to this team. The Clippers are going to add Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like you never know what's going to happen with Portland. If Dame Lillard comes back and his MVP caliber and they use their flexibility, they have this off season to add somebody to him. Like, there's so many hypotheticals. What if OKC decides to finally consolidate all their assets and make some big swing? Like, you have to be notably better than this group with the move that you made. And we haven't seen that yet, but I think that proving you're not the same team as before was important. That's what they did with this New Orleans-San Antonio back-to-back and kind of what HP talks about. Um, 
here's Alvin Gentry after that San Antonio game talking about that a little bit as well. And then he's also going to get into a little bit about De'Aaron Fox that I think is interesting and I'll touch on after. Yeah, Alvin, throughout this season, uh, your team really hasn't been very resilient. You've gotten yourself into situations quite often and and not been able to get out of them. Um, But tonight that kind of felt like you guys, you know, you had a big lead, you blew it, uh, and then you kept fighting. Is is that kind of what this last 18, 19, 20 games are about, is finding that that resiliency and something to build off of? I, I think that you're exactly right. You know, we, we want to have something that, that we're building and, and something that's going to be consistency. And if it's going to be anything, it's got to be the fact that, you know, we're going to be resilient and we're going to play to the final buzzer goes off. And, uh, you know, even if we're in a situation where we lose a big lead, then what are we going to do to try to make sure that we get over the hump? And I think those are the things that's going to be important, you know, these last 18 games that we play. Brandon? Yeah, Alvin, De'Aaron is continuing to play extremely well. Um, just what have you seen from him that's allowed him to perform so well on the offensive end? And then not only that, what have you seen from him on defense? Well, I, I think since he's, you know, since he came back from the, the the ankle situation and stuff, that he's been so focused and locked in. And, you know, he's been more verbal than I've ever seen him be uh, from the standpoint of just saying, hey, guys, we got to do this. Uh, we got to get a stop right here. Uh, all of those things like that. So uh, to me, just the focus has been been really, really good. And then his play on the court obviously has been great from the standpoint of uh, being able to attack the basket. And when you look at points in the paint, uh, a lot of them are going to come from him because uh, he just has the ability to, to, to uh, attack, uh, get to the paint, and then uh, finish even over the, the bigger guys in there. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see it. De'Aaron Fox is playing at an all-star caliber level. It's really refreshing. You know, I think that's part of the quietness of this Savonis and Halliburton swap is, again, Savonis is such a better fit with De'Aaron. And if you're getting the caliber of player that we saw from De'Aaron Fox last year, a 25-7, and 23-year-old, and he's just building from that point that, I mean, we forget we were talking about him as a, uh, really top-tier point guard not long ago, and he had a really slow start at the beginning of this season, and that conversation quieted pretty quickly, but I don't think it'll take that long for him to kind of sneak back into that, because if you see him being willing to, like these last two games we've seen, put more effort in on the defensive end of the floor and be more of a neutral or maybe even slight positive on that end compared to the pretty significant negative that he's been for most of this year and then also go back to the offensive production that we've seen like I know that's a lot of ifs but I think that it's reasonable to expect from De'Aaron and and he's going to have less offensive responsibility with Demonis Sabonis here as well Um, I think that we could see some of the De'Aaron from last year and even growth from there and it would be so important and for Gentry to say that he's been more vocal, De'Aaron, that is, than he's ever seen him, I think is very telling. Um, before I dive into it, let me just uh, go to what De'Aaron said himself about him being vocal and, and the resilience they showed between the New Orleans game and the back-to-back in San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, I think we, uh, I think uh, last night we, we, we let go of the rope. Um, you know, it was 
it was a good game, a hard fought game. Like I said before, you know, BI was making tough shots. Um, but I don't think that was going to beat us. Uh, you know, if he's making tough shots throughout the game and it's still a close game, then we're fine. But um, I just think that there were other things that happened throughout, during, during the game that, um, you know, the, that we just we, we, we let we let it get too out of hand and just a few turnovers and things like that. And, like I said, and coming into this game, obviously with all the travel and stuff, it's like, man, whatever, whatever happens, nobody cares um, once we step on the court. So uh, we came in, we were prepared. Um, obviously, we didn't we didn't get to have like a meeting or anything uh, this morning, but um, everybody, whenever, whenever everybody came uh, to the arena, we had our meeting. Um, we weren't able to walk through, but um, as a professional. You know, you can't walk. You can't walk through all the time. There, there are certain circumstances that are out of your control, and um, we watched the film. We we went through their stuff without being able to be on the court and walk through, and we were able to implement it tonight. Brandon, yeah, Darren, you've been uh, you've been playing really well, and Alvin said this is the most vocal he's seen you um, since you've come back from that ankle injury. Just what has been going well for you that's allowed you to perform so well, and and what's led to that uptick in you talking so much. I mean, I'm really just playing the game. Um, obviously, you know, before, you know, the trade, uh, Ty was a vocal one. So, um, and obviously HB as well. But um, coming back, that's just something that I've that I've had to do and um, really just try to embrace that role. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm just playing basketball. That's, that's pretty much all it is for me. James, and then we'll go to Christos next. Yeah, De'Aaron, um, Alvin talked about it last night that you asked to take on uh, Ingram in the in the second half last game. Um, just is that something where you're starting to see where you can make an impact on the defensive end as well? And does having a guy like Sabonis, who you run the ball through so much on the offensive end, does it give you a little bit more energy to be able to to do that on the defensive end? Oh uh, yeah, but I mean there are, and there are times in the past where where I've done it before, so. Um... You know, I'm not really, not really thinking about that. Uh, I say he was just making tough shots and he had it going. So, um, you know, I feel like uh, just giving him a different look, somebody that can, you know, get under him and just try to make, just try to make, uh, try to make it difficult, but in a, in a different way. Um, you know, that's pretty much all it was. Christoph, how much growth is that from De'Aaron? Like that doesn't sound like. You know, maybe it's something that was happening earlier last season, years prior that I just don't remember or I wasn't around them uh, talking to these guys in media and seeing the same way. But for it to be talked about as him being the real vocal leader of his team, you know, Justin Holiday, when he first got here, I think one of the second or third games, we got him in media and I got to ask him about De'Aaron a little. And he's like, you know, obviously I knew how good De'Aaron was already, but I've been surprised at how smart he is. He's like, you know, not trying to say he was... I didn't think he was smart or anything beforehand, but he's out here telling me where to be, where where I'm gonna be, where my spots are, where I can be to get open and, and kind of just directing everything. And that's an example of him being a very vocal guy to hear Alvin Gentry come out and talk about De'Aaron Fox being so vocal. And then also De'Aaron himself acknowledging that, you know, Ty was that guy before, Tyrese Halliburton was that guy before, but now, that he feels like he knows he has to step into that role. And to see him really do that, I think is really encouraging. And then also to hear him be like, I want to guard Brandon Ingram, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know that him guarding Brandon Ingram is, is the best matchup or anything, but for De'Aaron to go to the coaching staff and want that challenge on the defensive end is 
I think very telling. Like that's that's different than what we've seen from De'Aaron. So if we can see him step a little bit more into this vocal leadership role that I think he is embracing even more so. And also that's obviously translating to what we've seen on the floor. The growth from De'Aaron Fox at the end of this season is becoming a serious focal point for myself. And I think it's great to see it's really important for this roster that he becomes the best version of himself because, you know, there it's not fun or maybe fair, but if Fox were to be underwhelming, everybody would just instantly go to it should we should have kept Halliburton. We should have kept Halliburton. And I think that, you know, people will already say that a little bit, but De'Aaron Fox playing extremely well will make the frustrations the fan base has with moving on from Halliburton that much easier. We've seen the impact that Sabonis has been able to have, even if these last two games have been pretty rough for him. Uh, We haven't heard any issues or felt games where it's like rebounding. The Kings were just like killed on the boards or anything like that. Um, That New Orleans game a little bit, but when you're missing so many shots, you're just going to get out rebounded. That's how it is. Um, So I think it's encouraging this Fox and Sabonis pairing that we're seeing moving forward that De'Aaron Fox is going to step into that leadership role a little bit more uh, being the vocal guy and being able to put more effort in on the defensive end of the floor and just show that this is not the same Kings group that again earlier this year if you hit them they weren't going to get back up and hit you back. I think that's the most important thing is that showing that this group is different and they need more talent. This team's not good enough um, to be blunt. Like it's pretty apparent. They're not good enough. They need shooting desperately, desperately. They need smart players. They need 3 and D players in as many positions as possible. They need Harrison Barnes to not have games where he's disappearing, or you need him to be your number four guy because you do need a number three. You need a John Collins caliber player. Um, you know, if you get a top four pick, like, obvious this is obvious because he's a likely number one pick but like Jabari Smith Jr absolute dream um they need more and I'm certainly not denying that because you know I think there's been conversations on Twitter that uh there's not enough talk about how this could be horrible the Fox the Sabonis and Halliburton swap for the Kings that it could be horrible of course it could be I I Yes, it absolutely could be. The team needs to prove that Sabonis is going to help unlock De'Aaron Fox, that you have ways to get more talent on this team by not trading away any of your draft picks during that time. And you need to prove to Sabonis that he's going to want to re-sign here when he eventually reaches unrestricted free agency in two years because if Sabonis walks, then it's an undeniable failure. But if you're able to keep him around because he's a 25-year-old two-time All-Star who is a pretty damn good compliment to your other guy that is an All-Star caliber talent, which I know some people don't like to hear All-Star caliber um, because you know he hasn't been an All-Star, and sure, but Fox is that level of player. Um, then you can, there is something here and they need to add more. This off season is where 
the Sabonis Tyrese swap gets is make or break in my mind because you have to add more. You can't make a more now focused move, even if it's not in the immediate present. How important this swap and the what you're trying to get out of it, even if it's not all about right now, it still is more focused on the a shorter timeline than what you were working with if you were to have kept Tyrese. So this can't be the only move. You have to go out and add more talent, significant talent to this roster this offseason. And that's important. I think a top four pick is absolutely the easiest way to do that. But also don't let this team feel like the Kings. You know, don't let your core of Fox and Sabonis and probably DiVincenzo and Davion Mitchell, Harrison Barnes probably as well. Don't let them get like a Kang's stank on them. Because if if this team has that feeling around them, they're not as appealing as teams going into the offseason. Um, you need to have a good energy and optimism surrounding this team going into next year. And I think there's ways to do that. Um, you know, they, they have a 20 or so games left. I want to say it's actually 19 or 18 at this point. And um, they have a chance to kind of prove themselves and seeing De'Aaron Fox embrace a little bit more of a role of being a leader and taking his game to the next level in multiple aspects. I think DeMontis Sabonis is still figuring out how to take his game to the next level. If he starts to expand his game of shooting more threes and getting more comfortable playing in the open court because he's never played in this high pace of an offense, there is a notably higher ceiling with this group than the games we are seeing. They have to show that they're not pushovers, that this Kings core is going to be different. I think what we saw in that second game against San Antonio after the stinker that they had in New Orleans is the first sign of we're not the same pushovers that we were before. And they have to keep that up is the most important thing going through the rest of this season. So that is all I have for this episode. Um, I've had a lot going on. I've been doing a lot of the Kings Beat podcast with James Ham. Um, I'm going to get more of these KP episodes out more consistently as I'm kind of getting into a rhythm, doing a lot of writing for the Kings Herald, which of course everybody should be reading all the great work going on there. And also take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And uh, yeah, just a lot going on on my end, but happy to be covering this team. It's pretty damn crazy. This is 300 episodes. Um, Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Not really sure what else to say in regards to that. But um, yeah, I think that's all I got. So as always, I appreciate everybody listening and supporting and all of that good stuff. Anybody interested in watching the video format, this is available on YouTube as well. I plan to be live streaming a few more of these. And you can see as I uh, click and pull up some of these comments here from people that are live streaming. Um, so stay on the lookout for that and thanks to everybody that's listening live right now um but that's gonna do it for episode 300 of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and if you and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days